0: this episode, of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn.
1: Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it!
0: with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected
1: and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn,
0: connecting unique voices to unique brands. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now setting up the
1: grandest stage of them all. Time to save the world with some resting. Video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to The
0: Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian, and this is The Amazing Nerd Show. As our loyal listeners can already tell, Damon is not here right now. Um, Damon's father passed away this week, and obviously he needed to be with family. For our listeners, however, with the way we record the show, we had already done a couple of the big segments together, so you will still hear from Damon throughout the episode, but for news this week, it's just going to be me, and I may be solo next week, so we just wanted to give you a heads up as to what's going on with the show right now. But before I head on into the news, just wanted to give you a reminder to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, and to give us a review. And for those of you who do give us a review, make sure to send us over a screenshot and we will read it on the air and send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news.
1: Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdom. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions.
0: So starting off this week, we've got rumored plot and casting details for Star Wars Ahsoka series coming to Disney+. This report from Daniel RPK has made some headway recently as it seems to give us a synopsis for the series. The report stated that the Ahsoka series will center around Ahsoka's hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn in hopes to also finding Ezra Bridger. This all kind of lines up with where we see the character at both the end of Rebels and Mandalorian, as she is clearly hunting Thrawn. And that's also something that we have, you know, speculated on the show before being the overall arc of her own series. But it's still cool to see that the ties built in the animated series are making its way to live action. The casting details from the rumor also heavily imply Ezra Bridger is making his way to live action, along with Thrawn. Two of the characters they listed for casting were Boca and Morai, Boca being described as very strong-minded and independent, as well as a natural leader, boyish-looking Middle Eastern African Pacific Islander, Black African American, mixed with ethnicity, or West Indies, Caribbean is what they're going for, specifically looking for actors between 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 the ages of 20 to 35 years old. Mirai was also described as being a very volatile and unreliable male character who is simultaneously complex and shady. There is no specific race or ethnicity listed for the role, but actors between the ages of 40 to 60 are what they're going for. But let's be honest, if you ask me that sounds like very mild descriptions of both Ezra and Thrawn. But only time will tell as the Ahsoka series carries on with production. And of course, we'll have more on the Ahsoka series going on throughout the future. Speaking of casting, up next we got confirmed casting for the next Indiana Jones film. It's looking like Mads Mickelson and Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be joining Harrison Ford in the next sequel to the infamous franchise. Mickelson seems to be on everyone's list right now as he was recently added to the Fantastic Beasts franchise in replacement for Johnny Depp. And he's already been in several other franchises like the MCU and Bond. And of course, as soon as um, he was announced for Indiana Jones, I immediately thought back to his performance in Casino Royale as the villain and can easily picture him taking up that big villain spot for Indy. But as of now, neither actor's roles have been fully disclosed yet, but it also looks like they're really trying to aim for a summer slot when it comes to filming the actual project, so we'll probably see more casting news come out in the next couple months. But hey, that's not all the casting news, as we also got confirmations on another important role in the HBO Last of Us series with the casting of Gabriel Luna as Tommy. Tommy, of course, is the younger brother of Joel, who is being played by Pedro Pascal. And of course, we already know that Bella Ramsey will be playing Ellie. So far, the cast seems to be rounding out nicely. I personally enjoyed Luna as Ghost Rider in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and I think with the right material, um, you know, he could do a great job in anything. Um, you know, I, it, he did have a lackluster movie when he got to play as our new Terminator, but we're going to look past that and look towards the future with Gabriel Luna. And at the end of the day, I still have a lot of faith in the potential for this series, as if any game can really translate to live action, it would be The Last of Us, in my personal opinion. But in other news, in what Alfred Molina even calls the worst kept secret in Hollywood, we got confirmations that Doc Ock is making his return in Spider-Man No Way Home. Alfred Molina, in a recent interview with Variety, opened up about his involvement in the next Spider-Man film and actually fully confirmed that he is playing the same Doc Ock from 2004 Spider-Man 2, a film that many still argue is one of the best hero films of all time. Molina stated that it was wonderful and very interesting going back to the role after 17 years. When Molina asked director John Watts how Doc Ock could even return after dying at the end of Spider-Man 2, Watts remarked, in this universe, no one really dies. And with a little bit of a spoiler warning here, um, Watts went on to tell him that the Octavius we're going to see will pick up exactly where he left off from dying in the riverbank in 2004. Was there a dimensional rift? You know, did the fusion reactor open up a wormhole to the current MCU? We can only wait and speculate until the first trailers are at least dropped before No Way Home's potential release December 17th. During this week, we also got a trailer for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead.
1: They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. The best that you can hope for is to die.
0: Oh, scheisse. So this trailer had a distinct, you know, two different parts to it, really. You know, it showed off that they're doing a heist, and then they showed off the twist of the heist being, of course, the zombies that exist. Um, what we got from the zombies, I, I, know I had no problem with the effects, but I'm not too into the idea or the concept of a kind of smart zombie society. It, it, it really made me think more of a cannibalistic, you know, crazy group rather than zombies. Now, I mean, they clearly are. Zombies at the end of the day, but you know as you could see that some of them have different dressings You know there might be a hierarchy and stuff like that So it's definitely more than just you know a bunch of smart zombies It's smart zombies with roles and actions and you know well thought-out plans (laughs) And that's and that kind of throws me off a little bit as far as a zombie film goes But, you know, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with this, you know, uh, I do like the cast so far, Um, I like what we saw from them, the effects didn't bother me too much, there was a zombie fucking tiger, (laughs) didn't look too terrible. But it didn't look the greatest either. Um, it was definitely a Zack Snyder type of trailer, where you know it had that you know that classic song in the background, a little bit slow paced. Really reminded me of what we got from the Justice League trailer and what we got from um, the Man of Steel stuff at the beginning as well. But you know, I'm all for you know the furthering of you know Dave Bautista's great career. I do think that this will be a fun movie to watch. But at the same time, this trailer didn't do enough for me to you know continue to have me being hyped for it. So I mean, I'll, I'll see. When it comes out, you know, I'll probably review it for the show. It's not something that's like 100% on my radar at this time, but you know, I'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep talking about it as news comes out for it as well. Well, all right, it's time for some Falcon and Winter Soldier talk. We're breaking down the fourth episode the world is watching. Warning spoilers for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ahead. You have been warned. If you had the chance to take the serum, what'd you do? Hells yeah. You wouldn't be worried about how it might, how it might change you? I mean,
1: power just makes a person more of themselves, right? So we open up this episode with an incredibly moving scene between Ao and Bucky during his time in Wakanda years prior before Infinity War. Ao's testing the deprogramming of Bucky's Winter Soldier brainwashing. Uh, We get flashbacks of all the awfulness that the Winter Soldier has committed throughout time, and then we witness this beautiful moment as the realization that he's finally free just washes over Bucky. So this is one of my favorite scenes of the series so far, bar none. I mean, Sebastian Stan's performance is just next level here. Yeah, there is a considerable like gap right there
0: um, that we haven't really seen. You know what? You know what kind of training he had to go through to pretty much break free of that. Um, it was very like it was a it was a good emotional moment. Get behind Bucky here. See what's going to happen later on in the future because it was definitely cool later on what we got and how much more you know
1: traumatic that might even be from that angle. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about it. So I guess Sebastian Stan on the streets as like fans just come up to him and start trying to trigger him using all the code words. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really funny if all of a sudden he, like, punched one of them in the throat. Like, <laughs> it just went, like, completely Winter Soldier on them, because I'm sure no. that gets old fast, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. it would be funny. <laughs> yes. It's all worth it. Next, we go to current day, where we left off last episode, and Bucky is explaining to Ao why he freed Zemo. AO seems to accept this answer but gives him only 8 hours to finish with Zemo, then the Dormilaje is coming for him. Next, we get one of the many heavy discussions that take place during this episode. I love like how in this show, we really like dive into the characters like different perspectives and motives. Here we have Sam, Bucky, and Zemo like discussing the Flag Smashers and their recent actions. Like, Sam wants to talk to Carly and still believes he can, like, reach her. Um, this just ends up, though, turning into, like, this soapbox moment for Zebo. He believes superpowers and the twisted aspirations for them corrupt and lead to supremacists, uh, which he believes Carly and the Flag Smashers are. The whole idea of a super soldier leads to things like Nazis, Ultron, and Avengers, you know, in his view. I mean, the latter, which Zemo still blames for Sokovia and his family's death. This verbal sparring between Sam and Zemo go a long way to show the parallels and differences in their worldviews but boy do i love me a
0: villain with like a strong set of ideals you know that's Mm. why i got behind thanos so much and i wanted him to win at certain points because he's such a well-written character and he just
1: sticks to what he wants to do well i I agree with you i don't know about the wanting (laughs) them to win points but i agree that i want a like a villain with motives, yes. um, a villain who's the hero in his story, if you will. Exactly. Next, we have our new favorite trio looking for information at a GRC camp on where to find the Flag Smashers. Here in a true Stranger Danger moment, we have Zebo offering candy to children, something he calls Turkish delight, which just makes it even creepier and more super villainish. I mean, all he was missing was a van here, but in exchange for the candy, he ends up getting the information he was looking for.
0: You know, again, um, Zemo's out here just showing his prowess, you know, how he gets information. And then he immediately, of course, is holding it against everyone else. You know, the rest of them are trying to get the information for people doing it. You know, the, you know, we're here to help type of way. But like, why would they trust them? You know, especially mm-hmm. a group that's following the Flag Smashers. Why on earth would they, you know, believe in Sam or anything like that?
1: Uh, exactly well and zemo's the master manipulator so yes um it definitely fits his like character bio also i forgot to mention that zemo was singing baba black sheep which was also very very like creepy and terrifying <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah he also speaking of him manipulating mm-hmm. he also was using his son's death which is pretty fucked up here when he was like telling the story uh-huh. to get the information so i mean yeah i know that obviously weighs on him but the fact that he was using that to get what he wants a means to an end just show you shows you like how far he's willing to go as a character i feel
0: like they're building him up enough that you know maybe they won't just kill him off at the end of this series because i mean you you don't want to create such a great villain just to end him right away i feel like
1: there's a lot more potential here yeah i would definitely be disappointed if they off him at the end Mm -hmm. i mean we need more zemo damn it yes So Sharon Carter makes another appearance here and explains that Mandrapoor is a powder keg right now because the power broker is on a warpath. Sharon's going to aid Bucky and Falcon in finding the Flag Smashers with the use of some satellite she has. I mean, this week, I'm a little more suspicious of Sharon being the power broker. I'm a lot more than I was last week. I'm just getting some serious, like sketchy vibes from her. And this could totally be a red herring situation, But, like, who just has two satellites at their disposal? I mean, maybe she's working for Fury, like I was kind of speculating last episode. Or maybe she's the power broker stirring the pot. I mean, she is Sharon Carter. She probably has some weird connection somewhere. But I I agree with you.
0: It it did really seem like... She's my, She might have some negative connections
1: rather than, you know, superhero connections here. Well, and we only have two episodes left. And I feel yes. like they're not just going to spring an all new character on us mm-hmm. and like, you know, revealed as the power broker. I feel like the power broker has already been seen in the show. That makes
0: sense. I, I, I think it would, you know, piss us all off if it's just like some random guy in the last
1: 30 minutes of the show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it could be, but really mm-hmm. doesn't like fit the marvel storytelling style you know yeah i hear you it, it, it definitely sounds like one of those types of twists like something i would have seen out of iron man so I, I can see that although it was revealed by the director that there's supposed to be a big cameo in episode 5 of a marvel character that we have yet to see on the screen um and it's supposed to be played by a pretty well-known actor I still feel like it's not the power broker, Uh though, (laughs) Um, but I mean, maybe we're both
0: wrong. I mean, if it's a cameo, if they're saying it's a cameo, at least, maybe that's not the power broker. I'm not
1: I'm not sure if that's the phrasing he used, but Hmm. it's supposed to be like a big appearance, like a big surprise appearance. I mean, hopefully he's not like Wanda visioning us and it's really just all smoke and mirrors. But I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Hopefully it's not Bucky, but with a human arm, you know, instead, (laughs) just popping up out of nowhere. Well, that would be awful. (laughs) It just makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Next up, we see Carly and Nico retrieve the rest of the super soldier serum from a hiding space. Um, here you could tell that Carly's a little bit torn on whether or not they should make more super soldiers for their cause. But Nico, on the other hand, talks about, like, you know, how he once looked up to Captain America when he was younger, but not now because he believes that the black and white, like, morality of Captain America is gone, and that the world needs, like, new leaders who can relate to the people and aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. So like, once again, we're exploring whether the idea behind Captain America is still really relevant. So we catch up with Falcon, Bucky, and Zemo on their way to confront the Flag Smashers with the help of Zemo's new little friend. Uh, Sam plans on trying to talk to Carly and reason with her, Uh, like tapping into his council roots, which I feel like gets forgotten about sometimes. Uh but they are interrupted by the new cap in Battlestar. Uh Walker wants to just take them down, and Lamar is able to convince him to go with Sam's plan instead. Sam starts talking to Carly and seems to be reaching her, basically saying, you know, he agrees with some of her ideals, but you can't just go around killing people. Um, Walker, though, gets impatient, jumps the gun, rushing in and destroys Sam's progress. A uh, chase ensues. Carly gets shot by Zemo, who then starts tap dancing on the remaining vials of the serum. Uh, Walker ends up stopping him with a shield to the face and is able to retrieve the last remaining vial of the serum for himself. So it definitely looks like our whole theory about, you know, John Walker perhaps already having the super soldier serum coursing through his veins from the power broker and like perhaps working to like cover his tracks is wrong, but it is what it is, right? You know, to go back to your point about um,
0: Sam being a counselor, I'm actually surprised they didn't start the series off with that. You know, similar to how we saw Cap, you know, trying to help people during the time when everyone was dusted, it would've been interesting to see Sam having a little support group for the people that have returned to this world. Um, I, I was just surprised that, and maybe that was on the on the board of ideas of things to show, but I mean, I, I think that oh, would have been a cool little thing to show off, and that's still possible at the
1: end of the series as well. Yeah, and you know, in an episode that's filled with great parallels, that would be a fantastic one to show, you know, between like Sam and Steve. We then get a nice moment between Zemo and Sam, where Zemo asks Sam uh, if he would take the serum if he had the opportunity. Sam quickly says no, because... To him, being Captain America is more about service and responsibility. Uh, They are then interrupted by Walker and Lamar, who are coming to arrest Zemo. But then they're cut off by Ayo and the Dormilaje, who in this awesome scene pretty much easily takes out the new Cap and Battlestar, and also Bucky and Sam, uh, even revealing that they have a cheat code to Bucky's arm. Zemo escapes in the melee, of course, because he's Zemo. This loss completely humiliates Walker as he notes they're not even super soldiers uh you can see him start to really unravel here as the pressure of being captain america begins to mount
0: made them all look like punks that was a great fucking scene that was um i <laughs> you gotta imagine there's been a lot of back and forth online where people are like the trauma that you know went through uh, winter soldier's head throughout this time you know getting a new arm and stuff uh, and then they're, they're just able to pop it out like it's nothing Mm -hmm. you know of course of course the Wakandans had a way to take it off
1: it's yeah they're not gonna set this like you know possible weapon of mass destruction like out on the world um even though they you know have like you know got rid of his programming uh without some kind of like fail safe you know just in case he gets corrupted again
0: he was responsible for killing um their king even if he was brainwashed he's still He still was that man. Yeah, I I
1: don't know. (laughs) In the next scene, we see this like parallel conversation to Sam and Zemo's take place between Lamar and Walker. Here, Lamar explains why he would take the super soldier serum. And we hear more about their past as soldiers and how they were forced to do things that they necessarily weren't proud of. Uh, He thinks that the serum will make them better at their job. And he truly believes in Walker as a person. This was a real nice little character moment between the two, and it really helped expand the relationship and their backstory. Damon, would you take the serum? Yes, in a second, because I believe I'm a good person. I might be wrong, (laughs) but everyone's the hero of their own story once again, right? Um, I I mean, also, like, I feel like Sam, I mean, it's not really fair for him to comment because, like, I don't know, he's got fucking giant wings that he's, like, highly skilled at using. Uh So he does kind of have powers, right? Like, he's not just running out there, you know, just on his own merits. Like, he he is, like, you know, powered up. You know, he's a fucking Avenger, for cried out loud. I mean, I understand what Sam was trying to say about, like, the serum and everything. But at the same time, I feel like Sam is cut out of the same cloth as Steve and would be able to handle it. So next we see Carly threatening Sam's sister and his nephews and a real nice back and forth between the two. This causes Sam to go confront the Flag Smashers with the help of Sharon's satellites. This ends up going south fast as they realize it's a trap so Carly and gang could get their hands on John Walker and kill him to make a statement. But to their surprise, John Walker's decided to take the super soldier serum and starts to exhibit powers in the middle of the fight. But during the battle between the two sides, uh, Lamar ends up getting killed when Carly super punches him into a pillar. Uh, Walker loses his shit. Goes on a total roid rage, chasing down the Flag Smasher Nico, beating him death with the shield, perhaps even decapitating him uh, in front of a crowd of onlookers, which includes Bucky and Sam. It's a pretty dark and twisted ending for Nico, who earlier in the episode was talking about how he used to look up to Captain America when he was younger. For John Walker, this is very in tune with who he is in the comic books uh, and his like whole character arc. There, he also becomes unhinged, killing multiple enemies and really like staining the legacy of Captain America while like possessing that shield. It really all goes back to that first Captain America film where it's stated that the super soldier serum really just amplifies the person that you are. Like good becomes great and bad becomes worse. A showdown between our heroes and John Walker is definitely on the horizon as we're left with a pretty messed up image of that iconic shield dripping with blood. All right, first of all, love this fight sequence between all of them and, you
0: know, just how everything went down. But second of all, you got to be cold when you go after a superhero, okay? When he went over to cry at his friend's death, someone should have got him in the back of the head. If you were gonna go after Captain America,
1: that was your last chance. Because of course,
0: yeah, that's why he's able to go after
1: them and start killing them. Are you talking about like Sam or you know Bucky, or are you talking about the flag smashers? Because the flag Flag smashers Smashers (laughs) (laughs) knew they fucked up and were out of there. They were messing Uh around. You do see like the horror come across like Carly's face for a moment when she realizes what she's done. So even though like that was her plan, like all along. You gotta believe, like, you know, at her core, like, she might not actually be that person. I guess, but she also destroyed that whole building full of people, like, last episode. I think as a character, she's kind of set up as, like, conflicted. Because you even have Uh her questioning whether or not she should make more super soldiers, you know, Mm -hmm. in that graveyard scene. So, I don't know. I feel like she's definitely, like, a character who's more in the gray. You know, you can't really, like, you know, label her... Um, 100% as, like, a villain at this point. Even though she's done some fucked up shit. I mean, don't get me <laughs> wrong. Uh, one thing I did
0: want, though, in that last final scene was an actual close-up of the shield rather than it being all John Walker. Like, I felt like they should have just closed out with just, like, maybe one droplet of blood coming
1: off the shield. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they could have, like, panned down to the shield and then show uh-huh. the drop. You know, because I did like that image of him holding the shield yes. while everyone's, like, surrounded him, you know, with their fucking, you know, phones out. But I agree, that would be like the perfect note to end on.
0: Have they already done the line where it's like, you know, Captain America isn't the shield or the shield isn't Captain America, Captain America makes the shield. I feel like that's coming, right? (laughs) No, they haven't, maybe. Okay. We'll see. Well, I think it was a really great episode. I think it's been my favorite out of all of them so far. So I'm now like, I'm really amped to see where we're going with this. Um, you know, as you said, I definitely, I'm, I'm definitely on that camp where Sharon is definitely the power broker at this point. But, you know, we'll see who this new character is. Uh, maybe it's someone big. Um, I I can't imagine who they're bringing in. They keep saying, as you said, it's someone new to the MCU. Uh, It's got to be something Captain America related at this point, since they've been bringing in so much of his storyline from the comics. I got to imagine it's someone Captain America related.
1: I would assume, but I can't think of a character that we haven't really, like, seen yet, um, Hmm. Captain America wise. So um, maybe it's like, you know, some Thunderbolt characters. Um, just kind of adding credence to the whole rumor that, you know, Zemo's going to start that team. Maybe it's, you know, some, someone working for him who will eventually become like part of the Thunderbolts. Since, you know, all those characters start off as villains, um, you know, before they start putting on those, you know, disguises. So, No, that's um, a good idea. I also really enjoyed this episode. Um, I love like how deep we got into the character psyches, um. I'm a little worried, though, with like only two episodes left. There's a lot of loose ends like left to like tie up. I'm just hoping that you know the story is not rushed at all.
0: There's a possibility that, unlike WandaVision, this might
1: be able to have
0: like two seasons.
1: Oh, absolutely! So, I feel like you could go multiple seasons on this Mm -hmm. easily. Um, You know, WandaVision was such a unique like story. You know, I could see like Wanda uh, getting a new show at some point. But it just won't necessarily be like, you know, uh, in the vein of WandaVision, if you will. Yes.
0: But with all that said, tune in next week for another thrilling episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo.
1: Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. PodGo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're
0: providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much
1: you get when you include an ad from PodGo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's PodGo.co at podgo.co
0: and let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast the amazing nerd show in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application once again that's podgo.co at podgo.co well it's that time again it's time for christian's corner Alright, welcome to Christian's Corner, where we break down this last week in gaming. Today, I want to talk a bit about the Resident Evil Showcase and the next WWE video game. But before I get into that, literally like maybe an hour or two before recording this segment, The Amazing Nerd Show officially made affiliate on Twitch. So I want to thank everyone who supported the live stream um, side of our show. You know, I I really do like being able to play video games, and this has been the biggest excuse to play video games you know making twitch work and happen so i definitely appreciate everyone who's been able to tune in and follow the actual show on twitch and if you're not following if you're brand new to us or you're brand new to the show make sure to check out the amazing nerd show on twitch thursday through sunday at 12 noon central time but speaking of the live content that we do on twitch this last thursday we did live reactions to the resident evil showcase which again showed off a new trailer and made a couple announcements as well The new trailer showed off more of the world that us the player and Ethan Winters is about to enter as we're not just trapped in this mansion, but we're fighting to survive in this village. More than that, we got to look at the vampires and werewolves aspect, which as can be seen in the cover of the game, could be a big part of Ethan's future. Will he become a werewolf or any of the other monsters in this village? who knows? But anyway, the trailer focused around Mother Miranda and the four leaders uh, we will most likely be facing in the game. Interestingly enough, Ethan doesn't seem to be the only one in this struggle, as we're introduced to a group of survivors that also claim the mysterious Mother Miranda used to be their savior, most likely from the four factions in general. And what I can tell you right now, like most Resident Evil games, this is going to be lore heavy, and I'm excited to get into that. It also seems like there's a little girl we're going to be protecting throughout this game, which definitely harkens back to that Resident Evil 4 feel that a lot of people have been speculating and making rumors about this game really taking a lot of inspirations from. On top of that, there seems to be a lot of layers to these family, and possibly a lot of boss battles because of that because I mean we've already seen Lady D and her daughters. What are we going to get from the other characters that are our big bads in this game. It could really lead to a lot of huge boss fights um, throughout the game and a much bigger experience than what we got with Resident Evil 7. However, we still haven't seen too much of the last two because we mostly focused on Heisberg and lady d in this one this really was like our first look at those last two characters and it was only like a small glimpse all in all i feel like this trailer gave us more of an idea of just how expansive this game is going to be as compared to how closed in and contained seven felt and that just makes me more and more excited for it besides this trailer we got announcements for a big demo release for the game coming to all consoles it seems you will be given a one hour It seems that you will be given one hour to split your time in either the village or the mansion. If you finish the demo before your time is up, you can restart it, but you will only have as much time as that hour remains. So to be clear, the demo is only an hour long. You will only be able to play the game for an hour. But additionally, if you are a PlayStation owner of either PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5, you'll be given a 30 minute version of this same demo this Saturday, which you can preload right now. The main release of the demo can be played May 1st at 7pm Central Time Um, to May 2nd at 7 p.m. Central Time. For the PlayStation Early Access though, it begins on April 17th at 7 p.m. Central Time and only goes for eight hours until 3 a.m. Since I own both a gaming PC and a PS4, I'm gonna take this opportunity to do a bonus stream tomorrow around 7 p.m. Central Time before the PC version, so I'll get about an hour and a half in the game possibly. Another thing announced for Resident Evil 8 was a Mercenaries mode, which is kind of a classic mode that they've had in the past in previous games. You you know, you'll pretty much be doing a time attack mode where you'll be able to unlock you know, perks and stuff like that that'll help you get through the mode further and further. It seems like something simple and fun, but not something that necessarily brings me more into it. I'm more into the campaign mode that we will be getting with this game. But you know, at the end of the day, with this showcase, I believe it did its job of really getting me excited to run around a castle, with a big lady. The other big announcement that really caught my eyes since last episode was actually during Wrestlemania weekend when it was announced that we were getting the next installment of WWE 2K. While it was a simple teaser trailer really showing off Rey Mysterio and you know with great lighting effects which were actually still pretty impressive, it really did remind me of how much I've missed playing wrestling games in general. Um, 2K20 was was fucking atrocious, let's be honest. And I'm so hoping for a big return after getting an extra year of like development time for this game. But I have been let down many times before with the 2K series and even before that with some of the Smackdown vs. Raws. I'm just hoping it's somewhat good, as I would like to play a universe mode on Twitch someday. You know, well, with what we saw from, um, Rey Mysterio, um, in the 2K22, like, trailer, when compared to 2K20, it almost felt like a downgrade in lighting, but the textures were still there, and still super well polished. So I do have hope that, you know, they've been putting the work where the work needs to be, which is the gameplay. As great as having a beautiful wrestling game can be, the best thing that you can possibly get out of it is great gameplay, that should be your core. Once you've built a great system with great gameplay in a wrestling game, you know, the fans will stick with it no matter how potatoey it looks, so just, Just make it as fun as possible, and then we can worry about if the lighting is perfect or not. (laughs) That's all I'm concerned about at the end of the day. I don't want to run into game-breaking bugs every five minutes with a 2K game. But with all that said, make sure that you're actually checking out The Amazing Nerd Show live on Twitch Thursday through Sunday. As I said earlier, we are live at 12 noon each and every single weekend so definitely check it out um next weekend i plan on doing a little bit of mortal kombat i think there was some dlc that i never ended up playing with that game so i want to check that out mostly because the movie's coming out you know it's a good tie-in <laughs> other than that we'll continue on with the richer if i don't finish it this sunday as i will be playing it again on sunday um and then next sunday i'll probably play it again there um uh, we're very close to the end of that game so I'm, I'm excited to see you know the end of that story um and then we'll get on with the um expansion pack missions and stuff like that otherwise again thank you guys for the support so far with the live streams definitely uh if you're new to us definitely check us out live i really do appreciate everyone that has been following me and like interacting with me live on the streams it means a lot to me all right let's move on to wrestling
1: called my shot i'm gonna smash them i'm gonna stack them i'm gonna pin them one two three and then They acknowledge me.
0: Alright, last weekend was the big one. It was Wrestlemania, where not only did you see me on stream beat Vince McMahon, but we also watched two nights
1: of Wrestlemania 37. That's right, and it was definitely a mixed bag. Uh, There were some high points, and there was definitely some low points. But without further ado, let's get into it.
0: Yes, yeah, starting off, we had Bobby Lashley defeating Drew McIntyre by
1: technical submission for the WWE Championship. So while I really do like Bobby as champion here, and I wasn't too upset about the result, story wise, it just doesn't like make much sense, and I kind of feel bad for Drew, because it felt like we were headed towards, you know, Drew getting his big moment at WrestleMania here you know, after you know, having a WrestleMania win um, in front of no one last year, uh-huh. uh, but storyline wise, it almost feels like they like changed course here, which I wouldn't be surprised by last minute where they really, you know, figured out that they had something special with Bobby Lashley as champion. So they decided to keep the belt on him. Cause if you track the story from the elimination chamber to mania, it just felt like that's where we're going with drew. Um, even though at some point it seemed like they were going to turn Bobby face, like he broke up the hurt business, you know, because they were interfering in his match, which felt like a very baby face move. But then Mm. they convolute the story by having like Bobby, like putting a hit out on like drew. I like, it just made no sense, but it was like, okay, well they're testing the waters. Maybe Bobby's going to turn face here. That's not the case. Like he's still straight. Like he'll after raw. Um, but they chose for him to beat Drew here. Uh I don't know. I don't know. It really did Drew no favors. Um it's a weird way to like kick off WrestleMania, like having your heel champion go over.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> um
1: I'm wondering why you even take off the belt. Like this obviously wasn't the plan, because I don't think you would take the belt off of Miz, um, or even put the belt on Miz. You would just kept it on Drew and then have Bobby defeat him at Mania, and it would have been a bigger moment. You know, for Lashley, instead of retaining. I think the whole Miz stuff was just so they could get rid of the money in the bank, since they know
0: the money in the bank pay-per-view is probably, like, what, a couple months?
1: Yeah, but they could have gotten rid of it with, like, a no-cash-in, you know, somewhere after Mania. We've seen people cash in after Mania, Uh you know, or try to cash in after Mania. So I understand what you're saying. I'm sure it was more of, like, let's pop a rating, let's, you know, whatever, But at the same time, you know, it felt like it was all set up for Drew to, you know, recapture the title at Media. And (laughs) then, you know, (laughs) they have Lashley retained. So it just felt like you could have crafted this big moment with Lashley Mm -hmm. winning the belt, even if he's a heel. It just would have been a bigger moment.
0: No, I totally agree. It definitely felt like even, you know, the video package they put together beforehand showed how cowardly Bobby Lashley has been over the last month. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. You're going to really put over Drew McIntyre as this hero going over the typical cowardly heel. Um, and no, it, it, it just wasn't. I that don't know way. if I
1: would say he was cowardly. I mean, he's definitely done heelish like things, but they've made him a monster also. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've really protected him um but at the same t- i don't know like i said i feel like this was the very last moment decision because it just doesn't make sense or track at all and i wouldn't be surprised it's the WWE.
0: <laughs> well up next we had a tag team turmoil match where the winner gets a tag team championship match on night two against naya and Shayna baszler this featured natalia and tamina going over lana naomi billy Kay and carmella dana
1: brooke and mandy rose um and the riot squad so this is probably one of the worst matches I've ever seen on WrestleMania. <laughs> and that's saying a lot, man. I mean nothing, nothing was clicking here. Um, tons of miscues. Uh, people like the wrong winners getting announced. Uh, oh, it, yeah. Lana and Billy Kay should never be in the ring together at the same time. <laughs> it was just a mess of a match. I mean, it was snake bitten from the start. I feel bad for Tamina and like Natalia because I felt like this was like their big, like shiny moment for the weekend, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it was just squandered on this, you know, awful match. But I mean, even those two
0: didn't feel like they were working well as a team. Like I, I, the, it just looked like a lot of miscommunication going all over the place throughout the entire match. I agree with you. At the same time, I was like, I know this is just something that they threw together to put as many people onto the card as they could.
1: I didn't take it too seriously. I guess, I when I was Watching it. But I just, I don't know, maybe I just hold these Mania matches to too high of a bar because this was just an absolute clusterfuck. You know, I feel bad. I feel bad for saying that because, like, I feel like everyone was actually working hard, but Uh man, what a mess. Well, it, you're supposed to hold these to a high bar. It's WrestleMania. I know, WrestleMania. but you were just saying you don't high- hold it to a high bar. <laughs> That's me though, right? I, I know. feel like I... I get that pass. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I say I used to hold all these matches to a high bar and maybe I'm just delusional at this point, but Jesus Christ, man, what the fuck was this?
0: Well, you know what, a match I actually really enjoyed was Cesaro defeating Seth Rollins in a, you know, plain old good old wrestling match that we had after this clusterfuck that we just got uh cesaro and seth rollins really went at each other i really enjoyed you know the chemistry that they have in the ring um you know i I thought this did wonders for cesaro but i don't know if it's going to go anywhere i still don't have faith that they like know what to do with this character in general or this wrestler
1: i should say no i mean this is a feud that's uh predicated on uh seth rollins being embarrassed by cesaro swaying him uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great match. It was a great match. Mm. I didn't like the build up for this match, but I love the match itself, which I knew was going to happen. They got plenty of time. Um, I love the story of the match. I love Cesaro attempting the swing, only getting nine and then finally putting on, you know, the, the full swing and breaking the record. He even pulled off the UFO, which was just spectacular. I hope he adds that to like his regular, like arsenal of moves. Um, but yeah, no, this was a great match. Uh, I just hope they're able to like capitalize on it for Cesaro. It feels like they're starting to like set him up to be a contender for Roman Reigns like, down the line. I don't see him going over. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. But at least you get like a month program out of it, maybe.
0: Well, up next, we had AJ Styles and Omos defeating
1: The New Day for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. So this match did nothing for me. The layout of the match and psychology of the matchup was really weird because it was like the New Day was like playing the heel like the way that everything was set up like they were getting the heat on AJ and then like uh, Omos was getting or Omos was getting like the hot tag at the end yeah. So it was bizarre. I don't know. I, I wasn't really like impressed with him either. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, I actually think Shaq did a much better job like playing the giant in AEW. I hear what you're saying, but at least it wasn't like Great Khali getting
0: into the ring. Like that's I thought. Oh, once was making, again, at least you're, move you're his lowering knees. the bar here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about that. It was kind of like reverse what you would normally get with a match like this. Yes. Like, you think they would have had. AJ Styles just sitting on the outside of the ring for most of it with Omos like just being the bodyguard and beating up these two and then you get the hot tag probably to Kofi and then AJ Styles comes in and does all the fancy moves and beats them.
1: I guess. I don't know. It's just bizarre. I mean, I feel like they'll probably turn them face sooner than later. Really? You think they'll be face? I think so. And then maybe you have a turn like AJ eventually turns on Omos or Omos. Is it Omos or Omas? I'm not sure. I remember Omos, but I—I I, that's I just feel like it's Omos, but hearing. I don't know.
0: Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no disrespect, but I don't want to see you wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we had Braun Strowman defeating Shane McMahon in a steel cage match for everyone who was ever called stupid.
1: <laughs> Braun Strowman, the champion of idiots everywhere. Um, I, I, <laughs> (laughs) This was a ridiculous feud and program uh, Uh that made absolutely no sense, completely centered around Shane just calling Braun stupid for no reason. Like this was just it felt so thrown together and like it was written by like, I don't know, a third grader. I, I, I don't know what they were trying to do here. Just really lazy booking. Um mm-hmm. the match itself was fine. It was it was pretty harmless. I did like the spot where like Braun uh wraps the cage around his arm. That was fine. I was terrified that Braun was actually going to be stupid and like throw Shane off the cage and then Shane would have ended up winning the match. I was like, "Oh, they're totally doing this, aren't they?" But then they turned it around. Braun got the win. Whatever. I mean, pretty harmless. I thought when he
0: ripped open the cage there you go, Shane. Easy way to jump out and win.
1: That, that's where I thought they were going. Well, Shane at that was point. on the outside of the cage at that time.
0: Yes, but I mean, after you know, he gets thrown back in. There could have been a moment where Shane gets up and then tries to just swan dive out the cage. Shane was
1: dead, though. That was a hell of a spot. Taking that bump from the top of the cage and just hitting nothing but the mat is pretty fucking brutal.
0: He's fallen further. Not,
1: but he's (laughs) fallen on a crash pad. He's not getting up from that, from that bump. I mean, WWE's rings are notoriously like solid. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, no, that was, that was pretty fucking wicked.
0: Either way, the only thing I really, you know, got out of this was the very next night, Jerry Lawler during the pre-show just continued to call Braun Strowman the stupidest man on earth. I was like, oh, so that, that storyline didn't really go anywhere. Up next, we had our big celebrity match with Bad Bunny and Damian Priest defeating The Miz and John Morrison.
1: All right, I'm going to start off right away by saying I was impressed by Bad Bunny. It seems like he worked really hard. He trained for this. I mean, the match itself was a little too long. I would have shedded like maybe like four or five minutes off of it. But like Bad Bunny looked, you know, decent in the ring. I am sick, though. Of celebrities coming in and being able to go toe-to-toe with these superstars. And it totally, like, waters down your product and cheapens it. I mean, Miz was your champion just, like, a month ago. So I (laughs) understand, like, I get it, like, why you would want a celebrity like Bad Bunny in this match. Uh But I felt like they gave him too much, you know? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They did the same thing with, uh, what's his name?
0: Are you talking about Logan Paul or are you talking, oh, oh, um, Pat McAfee.
1: I mean, it's the same issue I had with Pat McAfee. Yeah, he was great in the ring. He was great on the mic, but like, I don't want to see him kicking off, like kicking out of like multiple finishers from these like NXT superstars. Mm-hmm. like it makes it, your products are... look weak like anyone off mm-hmm. the street could come in and hang with these guys so and i mean at least fucking you know he was like a, a legit athlete i mean bad bunny's a musician <laughs> so like i mean the match was entertaining but
0: uh-huh. at the same
1: time i don't know like i have a problem with that and maybe i'm just old school in that thinking you weren't sold
0: by the announce team, you know saying, you know, he was, you know, he grew up in from the hard streets and that's why he was able to, you know, scrap along with wrestlers. Was there
1: a wrestling ring in the middle of the street? <laughs> I definitely was Wrestling's surprised. It's supposed to be a skill that someone learns. Like uh-huh. <laughs>
0: I was definitely surprised that they didn't give Damian Priest more time in this match. Yes! Like, it was all Bad Bunny, which I was impressed to see what he was capable of in the ring. But at the same time, you know, this did nothing for Damian Priest, really. Um, it did nothing for Miz and Morrison.
1: A hundred percent, I agree. Like I applaud Miz and Morrison because they carried him to mm-hmm. this match. Um, yes. And it shows you what professionals they are. But I thought they were going to really use this match To, like, elevate Damian Priest and, like, you know, put him in the spotlight and make him look like a superstar. But honestly, like, he was a fucking prop out there. I mean, they gave Bad Bunny, like, 80% of this match. Yes. It just, I don't get it. Like, you could have gotten Priest over, like, invest in your fucking future here. But instead, I mean, it was just about making Bad Bunny look good on all your highlight reels the next day.
0: And then later, Triple H gave him a special microphone and, you That know. looked
1: like a dildo.
0: i swear i thought it was going to be the money in the bank briefcase i thought they were going to send him to money in the bank
1: oh you know i did too oh yeah no i absolutely (laughs) thought that was happening i was like oh you gotta be fucking kidding me um i don't know man i don't know i'm over it i'm over these celebrities
0: you say that now but vince is probably writing him a contract right now after oh if they could Oh,
1: oh if they could sign him to an ongoing deal they absolutely would and I, I don't blame him, I understand, but I'd rather see him in, like, I don't know, a manager role than, you know, stealing the show at WrestleMania. Yes.
0: <laughs> this was almost as long as the main event.
1: Yes. It was the <laughs> third longest match of the night. Jesus. Maybe of both nights, actually.
0: Um, but Yeah, it was it was just... Crazy. It would be the fourth if it was both nights.
1: Crazy. Crazy. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of the main events, we had Bianca Belair becoming your SmackDown Women's
1: Champion in the main event against Sasha Banks. A true WrestleMania moment. This was set up as a big-time match. I love that it got to main event. Um, You know, the emotions were high even before the match. Um, Bianca Belair as a babyface is so relatable. These two worked so well in the ring, too. Like, I was actually, like, feeling anxiety before the match started, like, before the bell rang. I was like, uh-huh. oh, I, I just want this match to go over well, you know, and just watch both of these guys shine. Um, because the story was so perfect for Bianca Belair. And luckily, they they got that, like, almost perfect match. I really enjoyed this match. I mean, Bianca Belair, as a, as a performer, has come such a long way. And this match really, like, set her up like, to be, like, one of their biggest, like, superstars for the future. No, it definitely
0: felt like a true next-generation moment there. Yeah. Well, as someone who doesn't watch weekly, um, you know, how did you feel about the build-up to this match in general? Because I saw a lot of mixed reviews
1: online about it. Yeah, and I think we, I mean, I definitely stated the same here on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. it was definitely really, like, convoluted. They always kind of get in their own way when they have like a couple months to tell a story, it seems like lately um, just like one too many twists and turns. Like we had everything with Reginald for no reason that ended up really not even really playing out or being a factor at all. Um, you know, the whole tag team situation um, you know, sometimes it's okay just to tell a heel versus baby face story. Yes. And I know at the time, Sasha <laughs> was supposed to be a baby face, but if you look at it in the long run, she was actually just, you know, a really popular heel. <laughs> like she never really, besides, you know, her match with like Bailey, she never fully like turned uh uh-huh. like babyface. Like she was just, you know, Sasha Banks, um, you know, fighting against another heel. So um I don't know. I, I really dug this match though, and it kind of saved the program overall for me. But I will say, I will mm-hmm. say the video packages though were fantastic like throughout like yes. really building <laughs> bianca you know and her mm-hmm. promos were great i just didn't like the stories that they were wrapped up in so um i just love how real her character is and how like i don't know you can connect to her because her story is so great it's like the first time they like, did one of these documentaries too because i also watched the documentary on the network yes mm. and there was actually like payoff. To it because a lot of times they'll feature these wrestlers in these documentaries and then their careers like go nowhere or mm-hmm. like you know they're like stuck in a shitty feud for like months. So, this is the first time where it felt like they actually utilized the network to like further the storytelling on the program. And that usually is not like the perfect marriage for some reason. You know, it seems like oh, yeah, one um... hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. I was like, Uh, well, this is how it should work. Like, if you're pushing a baby face like this and trying to tell the story, yeah, premiere a documentary about them because they do those fucking documentaries like no one does. Like, I mean, no one puts together, you know, uh, a special like the WWE does. You know, they still have that going for them. It just doesn't translate onto the show half the
0: time. No, I agree. I mean, I, how many times have I been fooled by like these great, you know, documentaries where I thought, "Oh, they're pushing this person to the moon." Like, what was it? Liv Morgan got yes, one yes. right before her push, <laughs> and then and she then wasn't they on they TV nothing. for
1: a month. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: they, they do such a great job there. But yeah, um, what yeah from what I had seen beforehand in general, I just wasn't too impressed and I was kind of worried about this match going in. And then seeing how well they performed together, I, sh- I just shouldn't have... I should have never doubted it in the first place. You know, these two could put on a match that... You know, they could have gone another 30 minutes and it still would have been just as high energy, just as high, like just as great as it was in this 17 minute match that we got.
1: You know, for the amount of stuff that happened in this match in the amount Mm -hmm. of time, I thought it was like absolutely perfect. Um, I I mean, once again, not to take any steam away from Bianca Belair, but Sasha Banks also, I mean, deserves a lot of the credit here Um, because you could tell she was like generally in this match. I really, like, also loved the pacing of the match for the amount of time that they had. It was pretty, like, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't, like, just move for, like, the sake of move. Like, there was, like, moves. Like, there was, like, a story being told. And you could tell, like, Sasha was really, like, leading the match and, you know, doing her best to, like, spotlight, you know, all of Bianca's strengths. Not to take any credit away from Bianca because she was fantastic, too. But, I mean, it, it just shows you what caliber of performer, like, Sasha is. Because, I mean, this was pretty fucking... And flawless, if you ask me. Well, with that said, Damon, what would you give night one in a star rating? So, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna give it four stars. And I think the main events really kind of elevated, you know, my rating overall because there are a lot of matches on this card that were just kind of there, and some things that just, you know, I don't know, baffled me. <laughs> but I love the Cesaro Rollins match. I, was, I I liked the Lashley-McIntyre match. I was just confused by the finish. But, you know, secretly, I love Lashley as the champion here. So I was okay, even though it makes no fucking sense. But the rest of the matches were just kind of there for me. Um, but, my God, this main event, once again, like a true WrestleMania moment. I think, out of both nights, this is going to be the match that's remembered for years to come.
0: So, four stars. See, I, thought you're, I thought you were going to actually give it a lower grade. Because I'm actually giving it four stars as well. I think... Entertainment value wise, throughout the entire card, I felt entertained through it, through and through. I think the only match I, they really lost me was that that tag team turmoil, but everything else, I, I really just found myself at least feeling
1: like a wrestling fan. So, well, I, yeah, I think that's what was most important. And then on top of it, we didn't even mention like how great was it to have like you know an actual like audience, you yes. know, actually like you know have people in the crowd reacting to everything um that just elevated the entire night for me um i also loved the chaos of the rain delay i actually enjoyed (laughs) like you know seeing the superstars like having to scramble and like Mm -hmm. do these like you know ad lib like you know promos and you could really tell that they're just being like thrown out there like on their own just like you know cut a promo quickly you know stall for time um and everyone shine it shows you like maybe they don't need all this fucking, you know, script writing. Like, yes. maybe you should allow this to happen more often.
0: I think the only one that was weak during that for me was Braun Strowman. Uh, I, but beyond that... I
1: thought Braun was okay. I think Shane was struggling Shane. the most. <laughs> yeah, Because all of a sudden they sent, like, MVP and Bobby Lashley out there, like, in the uh, middle to interrupt him. So I think he kind of got the hook at that moment. But, I don't know, I thought everyone did well. I like Drew's. Kevin Owens is amazing as always, though. Yes. So. Like, honestly, they could just had him talk for like, the you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes. The delay was and I would have been fine with it.
0: Well, all right, let's get on to night two and starting night two. We had Randy Orton versus The Fiend with Randy Orton actually defeating
1: The Fiend, of
0: course, with help from
1: Alexa Bliss. So this is the night that Evo fucking won because like like every single match except for one, like all the heels went over. So bizarre. Like, do you think like someone like fucking pissed in like McMahon's Cheerios in the morning? Like, what the hell happened here?
0: I don't I don't know because it it doesn't make sense. Like, you think you would have peppered in some of the uh, the face victories that we got from night one. throughout
1: So weird. Um, you have the fiend who's been, you know, out of action for three months after being burnt to a crisp, burned alive in the ring. We finally have his big return. Um, he gets his rematch with Randy Orton, and then you have him loose. <laughs> it just I was like, What? Like and that was it. That's the it for the feud, it seems like. Um mm-hmm. you know, from what we saw on Raw. Um Alexa Bliss. Turns on him out of nowhere in a pretty cool visual. I will give them that, and I enjoyed the 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 um, fiend's entrance with the giant like Jack in the Box. But like, I didn't understand the point of the storyline. Like, I mean, the fiend was the face here. Even though, it, I mean, it makes no sense, but he uh-huh. was the fucking face here. <laughs> so I, I don't know. They keep on screwing with like Bray Wyatt. And I, I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. And why start off your night like this? Yes. Because the crowd was definitely disappointed at the end. I mean, they popped to see Alexa with the fucking bloody, you know, uh, crown of thorns or whatever the hell she was wearing. Um, like I said, cool visual, but like at the end, when we saw like Bray lose, there was definitely a loud chorus of boos. So you got to
0: think like, this was the fiends first, like in front of a giant crowd WrestleMania moment, you know, because last year was no one's there. And then the year before that, he wasn't, it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, at least he he went
1: over last year too. True, I, But my kind of. God, I, <laughs> he loses to Randy Orton again in another subpar mm-hmm. WrestleMania match. It was
0: so short, too. I don't, I don't know, man. Yes, it, this, five as your, minutes. As your opener, it made no sense. Five it made no sense to have The
1: Fiend lose. And the red light was back. Yes. <laughs> that fucking red lights. <laughs> I was like, oh, Damon's loving this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hated when they used it for Kane back in the day. Uh-huh. And they finally got rid of it. It seemed like, you know, they got rid of it again for Bray. But I don't know. I don't know. He morphed back into his like normal mask, though, at least, because I thought he was going to come out looking like that fucking burnt marshmallow uh-huh. thing that he was, you know, last time we saw him.
0: I feel like we were like this close, like very, very close to seeing that actually come out that way.
1: I don't know. I, I was like, that looks horrible. They had to uh-huh. listen to like the audience at that point because <laughs> I was like, that just doesn't. It doesn't look good. Uh, but yeah, now what do you think about Alexa possibly like playing this like female like fiend character herself?
0: You know, started this year, I I probably would have been more into it. Uh, at this point, I am a little over over Alexa Bliss in the whole Fiend storyline. Because they've just, they've beaten it to death. Instead of utilizing, as I said in the past few weeks, utilizing all of the Fiend's tricks, all the Fiend's characters, everything that they've
1: built up to this moment, they just focused on Alexa the entire time. Yeah, the journey's ruined it for you. Like, what's the fucking payoff here? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no payoff between, like, a Fiend versus Alexa Bliss feud. I thought the story was going to be after that moment that she was like finally overcoming the fiends like brainwashing you know and regaining her like sanity but instead on raw we see oh no she's just gone gone completely to the dark side and now she has the power of the fiend somehow yes i was like <laughs> oh okay <laughs> I don't know, because even if you had her turned heel and then, like, sided with Orden and, like, started, like, you know, valet him, you know, and maybe that's how they continue the, you know, feud between the two. I could have seen that at least. Not that I want to see, like, Orden and, like, The Fiend, like, carry on for another, like, couple months. Yes. But I was like, okay, well, that makes sense, where now she's sided with Orden and, you know, it's the fight for her sanity. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a mess. I'm over it.
0: <laughs> the only thing I could see it going to be, if it's not going to be the fiend versus Alexa, is like maybe it's her final transformation into Sister Abigail.
1: Well, that's what seems like is going to happen. Like I feel mm-hmm. like she's going to get her own mask. I don't know if she's going to be Sister Abigail, but it feels like she's going to actually like harness the power of the fiend, and like we're going to see her full transformation finally. You know, I'm just not here for it though. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it's, uh, it's
0: it's over with. Um, well, uh, up next, we had the follow up to night one's um, tag team match with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeating Natalya and Tamina to hold on to their women's tag team championship. I thought
1: the match was fine. I just hated the finish. I felt Mm -hmm. that bad for Tamina. I mean, the crowd was so behind her once. I don't like I said, I don't know who pissed off McMahon, (laughs) why he hates the fans so much, but. I don't know. Like, I don't know if he was expecting like Naya and Shayna to be over or something because I don't understand this finish. It just would have made so much more sense to like, I don't know, give this moment to Tamina. And it really felt like it was set up for that. Like after last night, Um, I don't know. And after like the crowd reaction to their win last night, I I was I would think even if it wasn't booked that way, they would have changed it. Um, But that's not the case. For some reason, they're all about Shayna and Naya. I don't I don't understand it, it, out of all the teams I, they break up this is the
0: one that they just keep right? going
1: <laughs> I don't get it like no tag um, teams allowed to last more than six months
0: exactly I don't I don't understand this um but yeah I, I was disappointed for Tamina um you know I, I do hope that someday one of, one of the things that I'm actually surprised by is that I'm surprised like this whole with the whole family gimmick of Roman Reigns that they haven't like brought in Naya and Tamina. Like you think that you would put this like powerhouse women's team together to work alongside, Ooh, especially since know, they the were family. together a
1: couple years ago exactly. as a tag team. So, yeah, I, I agree. hundred percent. Because also you have Naomi. She's married to one of the Usos. So, I mean, yes. that also works for her. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they haven't gone that far. WWE doesn't like factions at this point anymore
0: anyway, so. <laughs> I guess. Um, all right. Up next, we had Kevin Owens
1: defeating Sami Zayn with his, you know, guest of honor, Logan Paul. I thought this was one of the best matches of the night, honestly. I mean, it was short. I wish they would have had more time. Mm-hmm. Um, They did what they could with their time, though. They really fit in a lot of, like, great fucking sequences and moves. Um, Sami Zayn like went deep into his like arsenal pulling out some of his old school shit, which I really appreciated. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, no, I mean it just shows you what two like great pros these guys are. And I could really watch these guys fight forever, honestly. Um I also thought they did just the perfect moment for Logan Paul and everything like that, having, you know, Owens like, you know, stun him at the end and everything. I thought that was great. Although I, I- <laughs> I'm wondering if they really thought people were going to, like, you know, cheer Paul, like, pushing Zayn down. Uh, you know, I was actually expecting him to, like, you know, knock him out or something, you know, to do, like, the whole boxing tie-in type deal. Uh-huh. But the crowd was 100%, like, behind Sammy in that moment.
0: Yeah, I think it was just a misread from WWE, not knowing, just, like— What a scumbag how- how- what Logan yeah, that- is what at Paul is? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: then just like I don't think the WWE universe would really respond well to Logan Paul in
1: general. Well, is it uh, is he he's like one of those like I don't know ent- entertainers or whatever they want to call themselves now um, YouTubers who like people love to hate, right? Is that kind of a yeah. shtick? i guess kind of okay there are people that clearly do
0: love him and we won't get canceled for saying any of this stuff so we'll we'll move on but can you really I, I get didn't... canceled
1: for <laughs> hating logan paul that seems ridiculous i don't think so anymore
0: <laughs> That's insane. back in the day though man his fall fo- uh, his following but um yeah, Kevin Owens, you know, really got it to shine in this match. Uh, everything that we saw between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was great. And then we just had Logan Paul's reactions peppered in throughout. Uh, it, it literally was kind of like just watching a YouTuber's reaction to a wrestling match throughout the entire experience. But I mean, it was Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. You can't go wrong. I do agree, though. I do wish they had gotten more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can watch Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the rest of my life. I mean, we probably will at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm totally fine, like seeing this program program every like couple years.
0: I just love that, and not to hang on this match for too long, but I just love that we're still seeing story elements from the day one, like day one of Kevin Owens showing up in NXT. Mm-hmm. You know, against him. I love that they've hold they've held all that shit together all these years, and we're still seeing this. All going up to this WrestleMania and probably the next whatever one that they have at. But to move on, we had Sheamus defeating Riddle for the United States Championship.
1: I enjoyed this match. It was super hard hitting, really physical. Um, I hate Riddle's character on the show, but I love his ring work. Um, <laughs> Sheamus is the perfect perfect opponent for him. Um, the ending was just brutal. <laughs> I was actually worried that like Riddle was actually hurt um, for a moment. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I would have been actually okay with this match, you know, getting a few more minutes.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, Riddle's super talented in the ring. Uh, I just don't know what they're doing with him. Storyline wise. It's awful. It's just his awful. character. Every time I see one of his promos, I just want to turn it off as fast as
1: possible. He's the most unlikable baby face. Like, I don't understand the point of his character. Like it feels like some kind of inside joke or a Hmm. Um, I don't know who's being entertained by this, but it's not <laughs> the fans. So, um, but once again, like it doesn't translate necessarily into his ring work. So I can at least enjoy him like between the ropes. Up next, we
0: had Apollo Cruz defeating Big E in a Nigerian drum fight match
1: for the Intercontinental Championship. I don't understand the gimmick of this match. It seemed completely pointless. Um, no one used any of the drums. Uh, no, <laughs> I think, I think the gong was used at one point and just a yes. whole lot of Kendall like sticks. So, um, we saw the debut of that dude from raw underground at the end, like going into this match. I was like, there's no way Apollo Cruz is going to lose again to Big E Cause he lost uh-huh. literally like four or five times in a row. But like at this point, I'm just over this feud and I want to move yes. on. Because um, I want Please. bigger things for Big E. <laughs> but, like, unfortunately, I feel like this is just, like, the next chapter of this feud now. Where we're going to have, like, Big E chasing after the belt. Because um, I kind of want him just to move on and move to, like, you know, main event status. But we'll see.
0: No, I absolutely agree. Like, I think what I envisioned for this match was, like, they would actually have people just playing the drums outside the yes. ring. And maybe it'd almost be like... Um, Bloodsport? Yeah, something around where it's like, like that, like Bloodsport. Uh, you know you Kid get 2?
1: Right, crying oh, yeah. 2 has the drums. <laughs> That's what I was envisioning.
0: Instead, it was just useless weapons yes. that they didn't use. And it like uh,
1: I don't know, like two, like set design wise, I was so disappointed. Uh, they just like had the drums like on tables, like folding tables. I was like, really? Like this is WrestleMania? This looks exactly. like something you get like in like ECW back in the days. Like you could have gone bigger with like the set design. I don't know.
0: I just hope whatever they do with Apollo Crews comes to an end sooner than later. You know, I I hope this whole <laughs> gimmick character, whatever they want to do with this, just comes to an end with it by SummerSlam. Fucking, Let's just end it by SummerSlam. That
1: accent's horrible, too. It's horrible. It just doesn't. Like, it doesn't work.
0: It doesn't work. Well, up next, we had Rhea Ripley defeating Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship.
1: I thought this was a pretty good match. Um, I was excited for Rhea to win, Uh, you know, so I think the right person won. I was a little torn, though, because I wanted Asuka to have a WrestleMania moment also. Uh (laughs) Um, I'm not sure why they needed to turn, like, Ripley heel, you know, a couple weeks out. Like, because there was really—I mean, maybe because there was really no story for these two. And it sounds like Mm. everything was thrown off by, like, Charlotte not being able to participate in this— but I don't know. It, it kind of made this match feel flat, though. Um, you know, Ripley just randomly being a heel here. Uh, but overall, I was happy with the outcome. Uh, the next night on Raw, though, they had a rematch because that's what WWE does. They have a yes. really bad case of, like, rematch at this point. Um, and that match did not work at all. They were both like off. I don't know what the hell was going on out there. They must have been having like communication problems or something. But it, just nothing was working out there. So it was actually like a godsend when like Charlotte came out and interfered.
0: Well, I mean, for me, I, I was cheering for both girls in this match. You know, I thought they did a really great job against each other. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Rhea Ripley. I'm a big fan of Asuka. I didn't really care who won at the end of the day because I, I, I do want moments for both of them. I want yeah. I want
1: big moments for both of them. <sighs> I think after last year's Mania, I was happy that Ripley won at the end of the day because yes. I felt like she got the short <laughs> end of the stick, like the entire last year. So I was like, OK, at least they're pushing her. Hopefully, you know, she can keep the momentum going. It was great to see the final two people in
0: the Royal Rumble both have huge moments at WrestleMania. It really means it, it makes it mean more, you know? agree. Agreed. And last but not least, we had the triple threat match for the WWE Universal Championship, where Roman Reigns
1: defeated Edge and Daniel Bryan. I thought the match overall was awesome. I enjoyed their chemistry in the ring. I thought there was a lot of big moments. I actually liked the finish of the match because it made Roman Uh look like a fucking monster. (laughs) And I was fine with that because I really didn't want Roman to lose the belt. Even though I kind of expected it, I really thought this triple threat was set up so Roman could lose the belt without, like, losing, you know, getting pinned. Uh Um, But at the same time, I think this just helps his legacy as a heel. I love the fact that he's actually a heel. The crowd is booing him because I really expected him to kind of get that 50-50 kind of, like, you know, pop. where half boos, half cheers. But no, it was pretty much, like, I don't know, like 90-10, it felt like. Where it was like most of the crowd was booing him. Like, he's a legit heel. And you don't get that much nowadays. So, what they're doing with him is fucking perfect. Um, But, yeah. No, I did feel a little bad for (laughs) Edge and Daniel Bryan. Like, literally being stacked on top of each other and pinned. (laughs) Pretty fucking humiliating. Um, But, I mean, they're both pros. And they'll survive this. Exactly. Um, I think my one main issue with the match. And... Trust me, it's not a deal breaker, but like, I I just wish there was less interference on Jey Uso's part in the beginning of the match. And I know they did the whole, like, oh, he got injured angle, so he was out of the match, so he wasn't interfering the entire time. But I feel like if the ref's out there and there's interference during a triple threat match, since it's no DQ in the WWE world, like, he could at least use his discretion to, like, you know, kick that person out of the match, you know, so you don't have that issue. So I would have much rather had him, like, ringside, like, just being sneaky, you know, maybe interfering here and there, grab a leg here and there, whatever, and then, like, at the end, like, come flying into the chair or something like that. I felt like it would have been more dramatic and, you know, whatever. Um, Because I just have a hard time with the whole idea of, like, a no DQ for a triple threat match. I know that's standard with, like, WWE, (laughs) but I feel like it's such a stupid little, like, rule quirk that they have. Because I know, I understand, like, if you have a DQ happen, who's the fucking winner since there's two other people? But you could just have it where, like, that guy gets thrown out of the match. Like, you don't have to have it. Like, every triple threat match has to be a fucking no DQ? Like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know man I don't dig it I don't know I'm fine with it I have no problem with that it, just, I mean, it um, gets old after a while
0: yeah you can't I, have people, every
1: other match like be a, DQ, a no DQ match
0: Hmm. a lot of people are agreeing with you I've, I've seen the same argument where it goes like was Jay Uso too much in this match I didn't have a problem with it necessarily I didn't you know didn't feel like his interferences did enough to really you know sway the match either way uh, you know I, I enjoyed it Thoroughly, I thought uh, like everything we got from Roman Reigns, everything we got from Edge and Brian as well. Brian did a great job of, you know, you know, kind of like spoiling the moment between Edge and Roman here and there every once in a while. And I thought, you know, that was a really it was they handled this triple threat in a way. Where like there was a fun story elements from all three people no. rather than it, you know, focusing on just one person. I agree. Where they, I, where that, that happens all the time.
1: I agree. Like I enjoyed this match overall. Um, I really want to see like, you know, a one on one match between Edge and Daniel Bryan. Yes. And I've, I've, I have a feeling that's where we're headed too.
0: But, you know, damn well, if a ref kicked out Jey Uso, that ref would have been knocked
1: out in two seconds by Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't know. You then you pull down another ref. I, I don't know. Yes, I do. I guess that I'm is part the, that is part of the storyline where the refs are terrified. Uh, and everyone's terrified of Roman. Um, yes. So I guess I can I can deal with it. Whatever. Like I said, it's still a great match. um I love that Roman went over here. I actually don't foresee him like losing the belt anywhere in the near future i could see him holding it all the way to next wrestlemania until he faces off against like the rock or i don't know cena or lesnar someone of that caliber um i feel like it's going to take someone like that to like get the belt off of him. or maybe exactly. here's it's a crazy take... idea here's a crazy idea christian oh, yeah? maybe they actually like build up a baby face <laughs> for a year and then have them have a big moment at wrestlemania and get over as a superstar, crazy, right? Damon,
0: are we talking about WWE? <laughs> I, I don't see that happening. I know because
1: when was the last time they like really booked like a babyface? I get okay. Drew, Drew is the only one, but like all the rest of the babyfaces, <laughs> Jesus. And we saw how they treated like Drew this weekend, right? Exactly. Like they can't get a babyface uh, over to save their fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Like this is Vince McMahon. Like he, like that was a it, the WWE or the WWF at the time was a traditional babyface territory where your champion was always really a babyface. And I don't know what happened or when that changed, but man, they can't get over a fucking babyface to save their
0: lives. <laughs> I think um, at this point, if we don't see a legend versus Roman Reigns at next WrestleMania. It might be Drew. Like they might, you know, shift Drew over mm. to another show because, I mean, they did they had a great,
1: you know, quasi feud back at what Survivor Series or something like that, where they had those brand versus brand and or something like that. Maybe that's why they didn't have Drew win the title here, because I, I possible I have a feeling there's probably some kind of draft coming up or, you know, whatever yeah. they call it, like a shake up, <laughs> you know, whatever fancy term they're giving it. Um, usually I feel like that takes place sometime after WrestleMania. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's the reason. Cause I definitely feel like drew could be built up again, you know, into like a major opponent for Roman. Um, but I still want him to carry the belt until like WrestleMania. Why not? I agree. You know, you finally have like, I don't know, a legit fucking heel. That's not Brock Lesnar.
0: I mean, yeah. If they if they were smart, they would be able to use this with like Roman Reigns defeating all comers as an opportunity to build up, you know, their next big baby face. I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. But you know, like instead, something someone like Big E, you know, I instead, don't know. <laughs> you know what they'll
1: do? They'll just turn Roman babyface. <laughs> oh <but> yeah, <laughs> of course. And then he'll face Lesnar, who comes back after Heyman turns on Roman, right? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then maybe Roman will finally be over as a baby face. That's, I probably, like that's see... probably the grand scheme of things.
0: right? Uh-huh. I would like to see Roman turn on Heyman first before Heyman turning on Roman.
1: Yeah, but that's not the baby face thing to do, right? Like if they're going to turn a baby face, then no. Unless you're going to have Lesnar be the face there. Then you have Roman turn on, you know, Heyman. And then Lesnar comes in as his white knight to save him. Uh-huh. But I don't know, man. I don't know. They love Roman and they they see him as you know their next Cena. So and they've been pushing him hard. I mean, this might be their way of getting him now that you know he's over as like a heel. Uh, well, if you had to give this show a star rating, <laughs> we went down to rabbit hole. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna give this show because like once again, I definitely enjoyed the first night a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like it had like legitimate like WrestleMania moments. Um this night I mean the matches weren't bad overall I just wish it wasn't so one sided where it's just all the fucking heels winning um there weren't many like feel good moments and trust me I'm usually the guy cheering on all the heels but I felt like you could have uh-huh. like I don't know mixed it up a little like these two nights and had it a little more balanced um because man this was a really dark and heavy night for the WWE <laughs> <laughs> I mean, night two of media, So um, I'm going to give it overall three stars.
0: So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, there was only about maybe one bad match for me. Everything else was kind of in that medium range. Um, and then we had, a, for me, a phenomenal uh, main event and, you know, a really great bout between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, <sighs> you know, I, I just didn't get as hyped for sec- for the second night as I did The first night, you know, there was no there was nothing that energy just wasn't there for me. I don't know if it was just because I watched two
1: nights (laughs) or if it was just the performances that we got out of that second night. I feel like there was seriously like a lack of once again, a mania moment in the second night. I think that's why the first night feels so superior, um, Mm -hmm. because you ended on such a high note that it's a moment that, you know, they're going to replay for years to come. Where the second night just felt like, I don't know, could have been any other pay-per-view, any other month. So, I mean, once again, it was nice to have the crowd back and everything. But, I mean, they were literally just, like, pissed on, you know, by McMahon for (laughs) three and a half hours. (laughs) Exactly. Um, What did you think about the two-night format? I know we had it last year. We're going back to one night next year. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Are you disappointed by that? Um, you know what? I enjoyed it
0: more, I think, this year than I did last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year, we didn't have the energy of the crowd. We didn't have anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, you know, it. There, there was something missing because of that. With the crowd here, I think, you know, two nights worked a bit better. Um, And, you know, I thought there was more opportunity to at least um, showcase people a little bit better yes. with a two night structure. But, I mean, as we saw with this second night, you know, it... Even with two nights, it didn't do too many wonders for a lot of these superstars. Like I thought I thought at least we'd get crazy entrances for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I mean like this year it was kinda like like whoever was winning was gonna get the
1: best entrance. Yeah. That's how I kept seeing well, it throughout the night. Big E Big E had a nice entrance, but he ended up losing. That's true. So yes. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um I like the two nights honestly. It's just a lot easier to like digest everything. With, you know, like two, three and a half hour shows instead Hmm. of like one fucking like seven and a half hour show. Um, Because honestly, half the time after WrestleMania, I can't remember what happens on the first half of the show. And by the end of the show, I'm so exhausted. I'm just over it. So um, I don't know if they could just go back to like scaling down the show to like, you know, four hours. I would be fine with that if they kept it one night then. But if we're going to do these massive like mega shows where everyone has to be on the fucking card, then I would hope that they would stay with the two nights. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. So it is what it is. No, I don't think we're we're losing that mega show mentality anytime no, soon. No, no, I agree 100%. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review.
0: Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow.
1: And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more.
0: That's right, you can follow us at Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday.
1: Want to support the show further? you can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing nerd show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States.
0: All right, remember to tune in next time and tell a friend about the show. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. My name's Christian, and that was The Amazing Nerd Show.
1: Superman, man, am
0: I glad to see
1: you. What are you doing on this deserted road? some
0: guys from school drove out here and we're going to start fooling around with drugs
1: when I told them all
0: drugs do is mess up your head and get you in a lot of trouble they kicked me out of the van and drove
1: off you're right not to get involved in the drug scene nobody with any sense wants any part of it how do I get home that's no problem at all